Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Okay, Dave. Well, th- this is the first time, Dave, that we've been able to do a double hitter. Is that what we call them in sports? Sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> can, Sean, can Sean hear us right now? I can hear you. Oh, can you hear me? Hear you. Awesome. Yes. yes. So we're, 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 we're rolling this in. in. Uh, this, this is great. This is, uh, unless Jean Viev edits them into two pieces, this very well may be one epic, epic episode with two incredible epic uh, guests. Or not. Hard to say. We'll, we'll see what Jean Viev does with it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see if I can redefine your uh, view of what Epic is all about here. Ah, good. Okay. So, um, and, and I want to start by apologizing for my confusing email to you, Sean. I'm just reading it now. So, yeah. So, you're on. We're, we're great. I just, we just rec- I just recognized we had the same Zoom link for both you and Kelly. And, and it didn't even occur to me that you know each other. I was talking about our other guest and and I sent them a very confusing email with the wrong time. And it's a, a great example of why I should not multitask. Greg is actually a quite um, accomplished multitasker, I've noticed. Uh, me, not so much. But, um, but thank you for coming on. And, part, and Sean, Sean Ryan's been on before as well. Yeah. Um, and, and we've done some fun work together, um, you and Greg and, and I, Sean. And, uh, and then we've also done some work through your uh, vision coaching, done some work um, or collaborated maybe with you and, in, in looking at some business opportunities with Whitewater Consulting. And you and I were chatting and talking about some business development. And, and Greg, you know, it, it occurred to me about how, how much Sean's business has been, like your business has been massively disrupted, right? With, you know, Hemming's House and how you get out and, you know, you've pivoted. And then Sean and I were talking and Sean, you know, and I'll let you describe how you would typically offer services maybe over the last 20, 30 years, Sean, um, through Whitewater. And y- y- I think you guys could compete, you and Greg, in terms of air miles um, in, in, a, in, a given, in a calendar year. Well, there's been times where we've actually sat behind each other on the airplanes. I'm like, yep, That's right. yep Sean's traveling <laughs> again. So is Greg. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, you just you, you just had Kelly on, and, and uh, it's interesting. Half the time that uh, I cross paths with Kelly, it's in some airport uh, somewhere too. So yeah, we've all been uh, out riding the range a little bit. When you have and, and a real road warrior, so um, maybe a little bit about uh, forget for the listeners about Whitewater Consulting and what you do, and and how you would traditionally deliver the service, and then and then let's get into kind of how where things are now, and how you're doing, and and what you're learning, and how things are evolving. Sure. Well, it's, it's a, a little bit ironic in a way, uh, Dave, you mentioned Whitewater Consulting. Uh, when uh, I've been in the consulting world for a little bit over 30 years, but uh, about 20 years ago, I founded uh, Whitewater Consulting. And there's a, there's a message behind the metaphor, uh, which is the whole idea of Whitewater Consulting was to help clients deal uh, with a world of perpetual whitewater. Uh, I would say that uh, what we've gone through over the last eight weeks is is far beyond uh, perpetual whitewater. It's more like uh, you know being in uh, class six uh, rapids, the most dangerous you know death you know death defying rapids, and then all of a sudden you plunge over Niagara Falls, and uh, so so just just the mere idea 
of everything that we've all had to grapple with and are going to continue to grapple with for a while uh, around whitewater consulting. And, and yeah, to your point, uh, things have, even though we've, we've always done some work uh, virtually uh, in, in the last six, seven weeks, adapting to where virtually every, well, virtually everything we do nope, no is uh, being done virtually. Yeah. And, uh, and so uh, it's, it's forced us. And one of the things I think that I've thought a, a lot about uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks has been, it's not just doing the work virtually. Uh, it's forcing us to fundamentally rethink how the work gets done. Um, and, uh, yeah, take the, uh, some strategy work we've been doing with a client where we would have done the typical, you know, one or two day offsite session. Uh, we, we had a couple of those processes going on with clients at the same time, right, right when COVID hit. And the first one, uh, we ended up, we did it as we might've done a traditional one day session. We just did it with web conference. And, and so we forced everybody that was in this group, 16, 17 people, through a, a full day uh, web conference. And, and it worked pretty well. But then we had another session going with a different client a, a week or so later, and we had a chance to rethink it a little bit. And we thought, you know, if we're going to do it virtually, do we have to do a one-day session? You know, the, the one-day session was really designed, as I reflected upon it, around the travel logistics, you know, getting all the road warriors into a place for a day or day and a half. That had nothing to do with being the best way to get the work done. It had everything to do with you would never bring people together for two hours, send them home, bring them together for two hours, send them back home. And so we began to rethink the work and begin to began to break it into the bite-sized pieces that were logical that you could accomplish in a couple hour web conference, knowing that three or four or five days, seven days later, we could get that group back together again. Much better way to get the work done than what we had been, what we had originally planned. So it's, it's really kind of been fascinating. Yeah, that's really cool. Cause I, I think about, you know, my heart goes out to people in the conference industry right now. Um, I, I, I finally realized that this COVID thing was real when South by Southwest shut their doors. I was like, what? That's like one of the biggest conferences on earth. Uh, and I was like, and that was like March, 10th or 11th or like it was early you know um but uh, one of the other interesting things is uh by nature large group uh, virtual uh, meetups don't work um that's why it's really cool that companies like zoom and others have the breakout rooms and what i've been finding is working uh so dave i've been going on a lot of the wallace mccain institute daily uh, webinars and uh they shoot you out in these little breakout rooms where there might be five or six people and a moderator, perhaps. Where there's five or six people, nobody's going to be drifting off and doing checking their emails and other things, you know. Um, uh, so it's neat to see how the industry is trying to figure out ways to keep people engaged in this environment. Because I, I was telling Dave before we started, like, I, I'm already, we're only four or five weeks in, I'm already sick and tired of Zoom calls because I am constantly right here. I don't move. This is it. I'm in front of a screen the whole day. At the end of the day, I want to drink so bad. Anywho. Um, but how's, that, how's that different than a regular day? Hey, hey come on, Greg. You know, the, the, the beauty of work from anywhere is you don't have to wait to the end of the day to drink. You just start day drinking earlier. <laughs> <laughs> That's the second. Who else said that, Dave? Doctor yeah, Bill said that. Bill Howard, yeah, he, he, <laughs> we were joking about that. Um, but it, it is neat to see how you've adapted. 
um, for training. And it makes so much sense. Like little two, two hour, one hour nuggets um, spread over a longer period of time. You can get way more engagement that way. That's great. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and Greg, we're doing the same thing. Uh, with uh, some of our training content where it's not just a, you know, a, a strategy session, which is, is always a facilitated conversation. But even with our training content, we're having the opportunity uh, to rethink it and think about what's, what's best done um, asynchronously. Uh, there's, there's a lot of learning people can do on their own before we get them together on a web conference, okay, mm -hmm. or in a, in a web training room. Oh. And then even when we have them together in that web training room, you know, it might be a group of, you know, 15 people or 50 people or 100 people using the capability to put them into break at virtual breakout rooms. And, and so now we've got people in maybe three different parts of the universe uh, in a breakout session, uh, working on practicing some skill or capability together and uh, our facilitators have the ability to be in each of those rooms to see what's going on and provide feedback in the moment. It's actually <laughs> used correctly, used well. It's at least as good as what we would have done in a classroom. And in a lot of cases, it's better. You know what, well, and what's so, do you find that, why is it that we have to be forced into this to appreciate this? I guess that's the question maybe that's on my mind, you know, because, um, a number of years ago, um, I was, we were delivering training this way. I'm sure you deliver training this way. And, um, but it seems to be the least, I don't say the least, the least, um, favorite option, but, but there's something that I feels like we're almost hardwired to say we should, you know, when at all possible, we should be together physically. And that's not everyone, but I mean, I feel that. And a lot of times that's what our, our clients want. They want the, you know, and, and a lot of times, um, one of the barriers to some of the coaching in people's minds initially can be, well, Oh, you mean, so the coach isn't actually going to come on site and we say we can, but you know, the, the price changes and usually that, oh, okay, maybe we don't need that, but is it as effective? Can you actually coach someone remotely? And, um, and it depends on what they want to be coached on naturally. Um, and it depends on people's understanding of what coaching is, but you know, in with certain, um, I find industries maybe and in certain certain particular clients, that's a big barrier. It's a big obstacle to, for them to, to get over mentally, this idea that you're not going to be on site and in person. Yeah, I, I, think you're, I think you're exactly right. I think part of it is, is the mental model, the thinking, the assumptions, the beliefs that it's better in person. Uh, look, I suffer from that myself um, a, a little bit. And when, when we were doing these strategy sessions and we realized we were going to have to do them virtually, um, my first reaction was, uh, okay, um, this, we'll try to do the best we can. Hopefully we get it kind of close uh, and to what it would be like if we were doing it in person. And then we did the first session and it was like, okay, that, that wasn't just close. That was really close. And then by the time we did the second session, I got to the point of not only was that close, these components of it were better. Um, there was, with, with the second client we were doing the strategy work with, we actually were able to invite in other people to the conference who we would never have flown a, across the continent to be together, right? I mean, we, we would have doubled the travel cost uh, to have people, you know, uh, but by expanding the group out, we got better conversation. We got more expertise involved. It's when that began to trigger for me, this is actually better done virtually 
than it's done than than if we did it live, right? Well, yeah, and you, well, I appreciate you know because it's funny. Like when speaking of coaching, I remember you know going to Royal Roads, and this is two thousand four, two thousand two thousand four, two thousand five, and um, they were talking about this idea of coaching, you know, over the phone or using. I guess maybe back then you could use Skype, maybe. And I just remember, yeah, how could what? That's not going to work. Like I just it, right. my right. brain couldn't believe it. Right. Um, it wasn't until I, you know, and then I, and first thing I did was I hired, you know, the person I could find that I felt was the best coach for me at the time. She lived on the West coast and I had this experience. It was an amazing experience, but I, right. but it, you know, I had to, I had to kind of get over my own um, thinking around that it's going to be a suboptimal experience. And when I, and when I experienced it, there was no turning back. Cause I would, you know, like as a recipient, you know what I mean? Like I was right. like, Oh, as the client, I went like, well, geez, and then it became really exciting. But you, you have to sometimes have the experience to even appreciate that it could it could be the same or maybe better in some ways. Yes, yeah, and yeah absolutely not always, right. Yeah. Not, not always better, but but it has that potential, right? Right, right. Well, we're, we're social beings, right? And uh, as humans, we like the social contact. We like the face-to-face contact. We like the ability to build relationships. But all three of us, I'm sure, have done a lot of work, uh, having doing as much work as I do on both sides of the U.S.-Canada border. Um, I've got financial advisors in the United States. I've got accountants in the in the states who I've never met, and I have an enormous amount. You know, I've placed you know some component of my financial future in their hands. I have an enormous amount of trust for them, and I've never met them. Right, like and physically so met I them, think. You mean. I've never physically met them, though I've met them virtually, you know, dozens of times. So I think it's, it's analogous to what you deal with, you know, in, in the coaching world is your coaches building trust, building those relationships with people and being able to do that very effectively virtually in, you know, almost as well as you can certainly face to face. Right. Um, I got, I got a question for both of you and it's, and it was, it's related to, um, you know, people's comfort level and maybe personality type. Right. So I was, and, and what was happening, I was talking to a, a colleague. Um, um, I treat him, he's actually be a mentor to me. And he said, you know, we're, we're doing it by phone. He goes, do you want to do this by zoom? And I'm like, no, I like, I'm phone's fine. <laughs> like, I don't really don't want to stare at you. Um, and I said that cause I know him well enough to say that. And, and I've, I've I've seen a lot of people pushing to do Zoom, and I'm just like I just rather talk on the phone. And he goes, Dave, are you like are you an extrovert or are you an introvert? Introvert? And I said, well, like actually, I did the yeah, you know I did this assessment, and like the term ambivert came up, which is you're kind of cross, you straddle both sides, you're you're right in the middle there somewhere. And he said, well, you know, I have a theory about you know how much extroverts seem to like the you know this kind of thing, and then the introverts are just fine, you know, with no camera on. What, what do you guys think? What's your what's your opinion? Oh, like, uh, oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, you Sean. No, I think it's just a matter of whether I put on a clean T-shirt this morning. <laughs> There's that too, because it's kind of nice. To just, it's kind of nice to have your hoodie on, you know, right. no shave. Well, you haven't shaved, so I guess. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, yeah. I look at my hair is going like yeah. going crazy. So that's a good point. Yeah, for me, just like I said earlier, I, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I've always enjoyed this format. As you know, Dave, I've been using Zoom for a couple of years, and I find. <clears throat> The conversations I'm having previous to COVID on Zoom are client relations and business development. And I want to see people in their, in their eye to eye because there's, there's something about building trust with people you don't know when you can see them. And uh, so I've enjoyed that. Now, during this period where there's six hours of Zoom calls every day, um, the other day, I just 
took the baby out for a stroll and I put my earbuds in and had a regular telephone call with somebody. I was like, this is awesome. I got to start doing this more. This is great. I get to walk around and, you know, talk on the phone. So, uh, and the other thing is I find as the whole world kind of goes on the video calls, we're going to start seeing some, some real pressures on our bandwidth. And, uh, there, there's issues like uh, you stalling, you fr- you're going to freeze frame there, Dave, on the last call. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's, it's going to peter off a little bit. I enjoy it. I don't enjoy being on it all day. And it's like there's an abnormal amount of invites for awesome webinars that are relevant that I want to learn about this stuff. It's just that there's more of it going on right now. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's my answer. That's a very ambient uh, or ambivert answer, isn't it? Uh, well, I mean, all kidding aside about t-shirts and stuff, um, for me, it's a little bit situational, right? Um, if I was going to talk to either one of you one-on-one and we're just having a phone, a phone call works great, right? Um, I, I do think there's a benefit, just, just even this Zoom conversation that we're having, um, being able to see both of you and feel virtually like we're in the same room, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we're doing uh, big uh, web conferences with people, uh, or at least, you know, when we've got 15 or 20 people involved in a conversation, um, I actually like that far better uh, with a video conference than with just phones, right? Because the, I, I think it being on the video conference creates a little bit of accountability to not be checking your email, not be checking your text, be fully engaged in the conversation that we're trying to have. Whereas if we're one-on-one on a phone call, I know you're engaged in the phone call, right? So yeah. it's a little, little yeah. situation. That's actually, those are really, yeah, those are really good points. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and you know, it's funny, you know, Greg was saying, you know, building trust and seeing someone um, and I, you know, maybe it's a little different, but I found that, sometimes there's safety and a little bit of anonymity, you know, from a coaching relationship. And um, we have, we, so we have a lot of um, business external to the province and the region, and we have a lot of business right in the region. And we've recently, and I was expecting this to happen a lot longer, you know, but, but recently we had one of one of the bigger, our bigger clients request that, that, um, that, you know, unless, you know, a, a kind of a circumstance that, you know, kind of the, the, the very, very few circumstances that would appear, right? the, the, what they wanted us to do is, um, is use external coaches to the region, like use people like from away, if you will. Um, and the theory was that, you know, a lot of people felt more comfortable engaging people that weren't in the, in the region because they don't want to probably run across the city market or whatever. I've always kind of believed that. And I would always, um, so, it, so ironically, Greg, that whole trust sometimes when you, you know, you're, you're, you're just, you're fully in the moment listening and you can hear things that, that the, that the visual for me anyways, kind of, you know, gets in the way of like, how am I looking right now? Am I, you know, versus when you're just listening, you can hear things in a voice, you can hear, you know, cadence of speech, tightness of voice, you can hear all these things that can help, you know, it, I don't know, it just encourages a different type of listening in me, I find. And, um, and sometimes the, the, the seeing each other is the part that gets in the way. Well, it's like you said, it's situational. That makes 100% uh, sense. Uh, just last week, somebody was asking me about you, uh, about uh, executive coaching um, and uh, saying, well, how do they do it? Do they do it, uh, do they do it virtually? I'm always trying to sell you, Dave, you see. And, um, man, Greg. and I said, yeah, Dave, Dave does, does it, but he prefers uh, phone calls because it's, it's a deeper connection in that. And, uh, um, 
I fully get that. I understand that. And um, the other truth in a coaching situation, um, uh, the person you're coaching might not be at that point of vulnerability yet to right. allow you, the coach, to see you tear up or whatever it is, right? So you, you might be able to get, get further in your line of business. I think uh, in uh, the world of consulting with communication with, within teams, um, having team meetings where it's face-to-face, I think is really, really important. We've been doing that every single morning, uh, doing the 45 minutes, actual. It's hard to do it tighter than that for us. Uh, everybody touching base, seeing what projects are going on. I find that super powerful to see my team face-to-face. So it's all situational. And uh, Sean, uh, does this impact how you consult with your, with your clients? Are you, are you having these conversations at all? Well, I, I think... Greg, absolutely. Um, we're, uh, as I said, we've, we've moved everything, uh, at least temporarily, to complete stuff virtually. Um, we've been incredibly fortunate, knock on wood, uh, that a lot of our business has not disappeared. Um, you know, even, even with some of our clients who've, um, you know, really in, in some ways almost shut down their operations, uh, we've delayed some things. Uh, but we've we've continued to be able to work, and again, uh, all of it is going um, has shifted virtually. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, when things begin to gravitate toward what I I call the next normal. Uh, I don't even like the term anymore of new normal. Um, you know, uh, this will this will date me quite a bit, uh, but. We've, we've all been, you know, regardless of how old we are, we've been through various sorts of cataclysmic events, whether it's the financial crash of 2008, um, the internet crash of 2000, you know, going through, uh, you know, 9-11 in, in 2001, going back farther. We, we've all been through things that have shaped, you know, some kind of future. And we invariably call it, okay, what's the new normal going to be? Because uh, we're not going to go back to the old normal. Uh, I think we've now been through so many of these cycles over our lifetimes. It's the next normal. And we have to be constantly, uh, you know, I, I call it, um, you know, nimble method, steadfast focus. You know, what's your game plan? Where are you trying to get to? But be very nimble about how you plan to get to that place. Uh, because you have the, the world's going to be constantly shifting around you and you have to be prepared to be there. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. So, um, um, and actually, I, you know, kind of love that, uh, that terminology. It's, it'll be really interesting to see what's going to, what's your, do you have any predictions in terms of, you know, what, like, or maybe, maybe you know, I'm not asking for prediction, but what, what are, what are you hearing clients ask for right now, Sean, you know, cause, and we're like, we're in the eye of the storm, you know, it feels right. like anyways, I'm just curious, like what, what are the sort of things that, you know, and you've have, you have a lot of long-term relationships with these clients. So you're, you know, you're, you're joined at the hip, you're, you, you go deep and long with these, with folks, um, uh, from what I understand, what are they, what are people looking for now? What, what are their needs you think? Uh, so, uh, again, a lot of our clients are asking us to do work, uh, virtually, uh, that in the past we would have done, uh, face-to-face, right? And so even though, and to the point that you all made earlier, there's always been some interest in that. Uh, this has put a huge, um, you know, jet power behind the move uh, to get virtual. Okay. Um, in addition to that, I think if you think more about their businesses, um, the, we're starting to see, and I think we're going to see more of this, uh, is 
when we get as we as we begin to gravitate into that next normal you know thinking back on what were we well prepared to deal with what were we not prepared to deal with as as the universe you know fell off the cliff with with covid-19 and how do we be better prepared for the future mm. and you know one of the observations that i would make is that the organizations um, whether it's a charity a nonprofit a for-profit business that the organizations that that hit the uh, you know COVID nineteen storm that had their balance sheet and I think I think the broadest perspective of the balance sheet not just their financial balance sheet but their balance sheet with their their customers right the trust and relationships they had with their customers and the relationships that they had with their their human capital their team the the organizations that were in the best shape there are probably best prepared to exit and come out of the other side in pretty good shape. The organizations that didn't have good financial balance sheets, didn't have good, you know, necessarily great relationships, you know, a good balance sheet with their, their customers or their stakeholders, didn't have a great, you know, balance sheet with their team members, uh, and maybe even took some actions um, that, that, that weaken that, that connection with their team. Uh, they're going to they're gonna potentially struggle on the other side. And I think that there's going to be a lot of interest in to get prepared for the next normal, how do we do a better job around all of those things? Right on. That's really, oh, that's great. That's, I love that. Um, that's really helpful. Um, can you, I know you were looking at, um, you know, we talked, I think on our last podcast about a, an upcoming book and, um, um, you know, you were working through it madly. I know there's been some updates. I don't know if Greg knows. I don't know. I, I don't know if this is an appropriate time to ask or not, but I'm just curious about the book and, Sure. Where, you're, where you're at? Well, the the book has actually been um, one of, one of the silver linings uh, in in the COVID crisis for me personally has been um, being able to keep the book on track. The uh, the current and, I, and we may end up changing it because it, it may not be a good time to launch it. Uh, but the the publisher uh, intends to launch the book on June fourth, uh, which is super exciting. Um, and and I have a deadline of tomorrow. Um, for the last two weeks, I've been going through the page proofs, what the book actually looks like, uh, which is pretty exciting uh, on one hand. Um, and uh, though, though I do, the, the depressing side of that is I, I now believe that no author should ever be forced to look at the page proofs of their book, you know, <laughs> because, because I, I don't know about other people, but I want to rewrite the whole thing. And, and I thought it was pretty good to begin with, and I want to rewrite the whole thing. But, but the, the, the silver lining in this cloud has been when I committed to being able to review the page proofs by tomorrow, um, I, I, my travel schedule was 100% booked. I was literally on the road every day for the last you know, three and a half, four weeks. And I was like, okay, I have to commit to that deadline there's no way in hell I'm going to make that deadline. How am I? Well, you know, by, by not traveling the amount of efficiency that that, you know, oh, put, you know, by, you know, obviously some work has moved around. Some of it's been delayed. Uh, some things have been done virtually, but just being here has been incredibly more efficient. I'm actually going to make my deadline. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. So we're, we're keeping the book on, on track online uh, for, to hit hopefully a June 4th uh, publication date. And, uh, Hopefully people will be in a brain space right. that uh, they'll be looking for something to read by then. And we'll definitely promote it. Yes, uh, let's plug it. And I, so, I, want to share, I want to share this that just came up from my <laughs> seven-year-old. 
because <laughs> she's got she's got a, a, probably a three thirty <laughs> appointment. So that's awesome. So Kaya, we are releasing your dad. Um, Whitewater Consulting. How do people find you, Sean? Oh, it's Willow. Hi, Willow. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they find us at www.ici.com, uh, right. wiki.com. Perfect. And uh, and, and I want to do a little plug. I think for Greg, I think a cool animated video that he could do for whitewater consulting like given you know like i think it could be amazing sean if you haven't seen the one greg did for me a number of years ago i know you know he, he'll say oh it could be way better now but it's still a pretty cool one from 2013 um that's how his pivots happened and i just was yeah. thinking about the visual as as sean was describing it so a little plug yeah, for let's, let, let, let's talk sean sometimes if you want some animations it's uh um, we're producing um, lots of them that's fantastic. I'm sure I need lots of animations, Greg. <laughs> I love it. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much, Sean, for being with thanks, us. Sean. We'll hey, thanks for both your time and uh, everybody stay healthy and uh, stay safe and uh, look forward to crossing paths when we get a chance. Awesome. Amen. Take care. Okay. We'll on, off care. To, we're start, start our day drinking, guys. And it's on. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. See, See ya. Ya. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.